Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, Y-E-G, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Rob Mazurik is a tremendously gifted multi-instrumentalist, abstractionist, visual artist, sculptor, and sound explorer who originally hails from Chicago, Illinois. Currently based in Marfa, Texas, Mazurik assembled a particularly expansive version of his Exploding Star Orchestra to create one of the finest and most vivid albums of 2020. It's called Dimensional Stardust and was co-released by International Anthem and None Such Records on November 20th. And so Rob returned to this show to speak with me about moving to Texas, outer space and science fiction and futurism, why he starts each and every day by creating a morning drone, the cast and crew that made Dimensional Stardust, future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network, with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series, live at masseyhall.com, where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Zaki Ibrahim, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 585th episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Rob Mazurik, with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
Hi, Rob. How's it going? Hey, man. Nice to hear your voice again. It is. Uh, it is nice to hear your voice again too. It's been so long that I can't remember the last time we spoke, but it's always a pleasure. This is like the fourth time I think you've been on this particular show. Can you believe that? That's that's incredible. It's an honor. <laughs> some <laughs> some some, cha- <laughs> some some changes afoot though. I think uh, in the past we've met in Guelph, Ontario. And uh, uh-huh. I now live in Edmonton, Alberta. Have you ever been to Edmonton, Alberta? Oh, that's right. You moved. No, no, I haven't. I I hear there's um, a festival there, though. But I, I don't think I've ever. No, I've never been there. How is it beautiful? Well, that it's you know it's fine. Uh, we we are currently in the midst of a uh, you know provincial emergency, like a a health emergency because of the pandemic. Oh we we oh, yeah. our government did not uh, did not handle it well. The closest thing. To America, Rob, in Canada might well be Alberta. So that's oh my goodness, that's a bit. Well, that equals this <laughs> disaster. So hopefully, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's not the best. Uh, so I, I, sorry, I'm being selfish here. Where in the world are you today, Rob? Um, well, I'm in Marfa, Marfa, Texas. So uh, we, we we moved out here about five years ago. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm a Texan for five five years at this point. Wow! So, what prompted you? You say you moved there five years ago. Did you move from uh, Chicago, or where did you move from? Yeah, it was from Chicago. I lived in Brazil for a while, as you mm-hmm. know, uh, but yes. then I moved back to Chicago in uh, 2008 and lived there till till about 2014. And then uh, my wife and I were looking to buy a house in a more quiet, uh, calm environment. And I, I, I took her out here to Marfa, Texas. Uh, I, I had played a show in Marfa uh, over 10 years ago, around 12 years ago, with Chicago Underground Duo. And hmm. uh, just fell in love with this small town. It's a 2,000-person small town in, in uh, far west Texas, and it's uh, an amazing place. I mean, it, it houses the permanent work of one of my favorite artists, which is Donald Judd. Oh. And... Uh, so his whole aesthetic here and and what what he's built of the place, uh, plus the the, the built-in cultural stuff that happens here. There's also the Lannan found there's Lannan Foundation, which is a literary foundation, which is very powerful. Brings in writers from all over the world to uh, do residencies here. Uh, Chinati Foundation, Judd Foundation, um, dealing with the the works of Donald Judd and like his kind of stable of artists that he liked. So there's always artist talks, people coming in from New York, L.A., London, wherever, literature, poetry. You know, I started Desert End Crips here a couple years ago, so bringing some musicians out and uh, trying to make some interesting music. It's a very interesting small town in in far west Texas that that, uh, is in the the middle of the desert, and about an hour away from the Mexican border. Okay, so is it is it where is it in relation to say like uh, you know Dallas, Houston, places we might uh, we might have heard of? Uh, I mean, it's very far. Texas is such a large state. I mean, it's it's seven eight hours from from Austin, from Dallas, from San Antonio. Um, El Paso's closer. El Paso is okay. three hours okay. away. Yeah. And uh, when I fly to Europe and uh, when I tour or fly out of here, we fly out of uh, El Paso. And, and okay. that's about a three-hour drive. Yeah, because I, I, I ask it because uh, I think some of us uh, who haven't been might be surprised to hear of the rich artistic history in Texas to some degree. I mean, I was uh-huh. in uh, Denton, Texas uh, once uh, mm-hmm. on a on a tour, and someone was like, yeah, right. Dave Brubeck spends a lot of time here or, or spent a lot of time here, and there's a whole right. like program right. at the school here uh, devoted to exactly. him. I was like, what? Really in Texas, and then yeah. you're talking about Donald Judd, who was a uh, was a, 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 a like a physical artist, right? That's that's who he was. Yeah, yeah, artist, writer, everything. Yeah. So, is there something about that stuff, the the history there, that might have drew you to to Marfa, Texas? Because I'm just curious. Like, I know you like to go where the action is, Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I, <laughs> I think I've had a, a, enough of that in, in the life, so I, I, 
always had this kind of fantasy of living in the desert, you know. So, um, so th this place just seemed perfect. Like I said, we I, I came here with with Chad Taylor with Chicago Underground Duo years ago, and we visited all of the, all the found all of the foundations and. Um, I'm a visual artist as well as you know, so I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I had been reading Donald Judd's writings for years, and uh, actually seeing his permanent installations here w was just incredible. So um, I like to go places where I can draw off of certain energies, you know, and certainly the energy of his work, the energy. This is also designated Black Sky area right here, mm. designated. Mm dark sky um so it's uh your relationship to the cosmos is pretty intimate you can see the milky way every night and it's wonderful um what is that uh, yeah. i'm not i'm not familiar with that designation what is it what does that designation exactly mean i think you kind of explained it what does that mean uh, it, it, there aren't a lot of lights here. <laughs> Just as so, simple as that. Okay. So, yeah. So, which is which is getting a little worse because you know there's been fracking and things like that there that are encroaching on the area slowly, which is creating some uh, um, some light. But the McDonald Observatory is here, is 30 minutes away, hmm. which you might have heard on national pub public radio. You know, they have a show. Uh, that's based from uh, the McDonald Observatory. Oh, okay, um, okay. Which you, which you can go to, and they have star parties, so you can look through these high-powered telescopes. Of course, I visited there because of my interest in uh, the cosmos and space and science fiction and all, and fantastic to look into how, how they actually uh, use the high-powered telescopes and, and also the collection of uh, radio waves and sound waves from outer space. Yeah, I know you're interested in the cosmos. I know you're interested in outer space. I have a sense that that yeah. uh, those interests have influenced your your beautiful new album, Dimensional Stardust. Uh, before we get to that, I, I'm just curious: Do you have a sense of where your interest in otherworldly activity, outer space, uh, you know, peering into the to the darkness above us, where does that interest sort of stem from? <laughs> I, th I think I mean I started reading the books of Stanislaw Lem, you know, the great Polish uh, science fiction writer, mm -hmm. um, best known for, you know, writing the book Solaris, right? Uh, which, which of course turned into the Tarkovsky movie, and then then the more modern version. Um, but I, I've been reading all his books for years, and uh, that kind of started my fascination on the whole thing. Also, also, I heard a, a Sun Ra live. Um, when I was 16 years old um, at the Chicago Jazz Festival mm -hmm. and reading up on him and buying, you know, that great, the great uh, biography on him um, that was, what's the author? Is it John Zwed? But Space space is the place. Yeah, that know? sounds familiar. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah. And, and reading about, reading his writings about the cosmos and also Egyptology and all kinds of uh, ideas, you know, starting to read you know, back years ago, the the science fiction of Samuel R. Delaney, you know, Dahlgren, Nova, star, Stars in My Pocket, like Grains of Sand, you know, yeah. all these great, uh, and and my over my overall curiosity and interest in future, in, in futurology, you know, I'm not a very nostalgic person, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of now and, and the future and what could be. Yeah. And since science fiction, and since science fiction deals with you know what could be, I'm very much uh, um, think, thinking of, of these futurological uh, um, situations that we might find ourselves in. Do you? And I don't mean this in any pejorative way, but there seems to me uh, to be a, a little bit of restlessness within you in that regard. I, I, I mention it because we talked about places you've lived, Chicago. Uh, uh, Brazil, Brazil. Uh, now you're in Texas among the other places you've lived uh, and I feel like in your uh, in your exploration of science fiction there is a little bit of escaping from temporal restrictions <laughs> you know like the now like you're uh -huh, thinking uh -huh. about the future right. is that again this is not meant to be a psychiatric right. session but does this speak to something within <laughs> you like you're just constantly interested in moving 
moving forward. Uh, is yeah. what does that say about? Does that does that say something about you as a musician as well? I mean, I th- I think so. I think I was talking to somebody the other day. They asked me some a sort of similar question. You know, what keeps me interested and in, and in, in going? And it's it's just <laughs> there's so much to discover. You know, but but I always feel like like I, I'm making things in the moment so of course i'm in the moment as well because i i i make things all day i wake up in the morning the first thing i do is i come to my modular synthesizers and and i make what i call a morning drone you know yeah to to set the set to set the tone of the house you know to get good energy in the house and uh it's an exercise but it's also a way for me to uh, uh compose first thing in the morning every morning um, using somewhat non-traditional means, you know, I can. I used to come and sit down at the piano, but now I go to the modular, and I make these drones. And then after I make the first drone, I go outside to the painting studio, and I'll work on whatever paintings or sculptures I have at the moment. What? what but I'm bringing what I made inside with the sound outside to what I'm doing visually. Then I bring out what I'm doing visually outside in in the way of color, texture, form, um, I bring that back in and continue work on the drone, which will eventually become a composition. Um, hmm. While that's going on, I, I have my piano here that I inherited from the great Bill Dixon, for instance. It's, it's, it's oh, an nice. object of, of great power to me, you know, and my trumpets and my coronets and organs and other synthesizers and percussion instruments and flutes and, and, and all kinds of things. At the same time, I have a drawing table in my in my sound studio, as well as I have speakers in my visual studio, which is unattached outside the house. So um, I know I'm kind of answering the question in, in, a, in a very long way, but I'm just interested in making, I'm interested in doing things now. And, and what keeps me doing this stuff is I, I keep having this, this sense that things are just outside of my reach, you know, just that, like, like if hmm. I could just crack, crack the wall open a little bit more, I, I'm trying to see and find out the simple question of why we're even here. You know what I mean? It's like um, you're, you're every day you're aspiring to something, but you don't know what it is you're aspiring to maybe. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely trying to, with, with all this music and artists, I'm trying to project light and, and a, a kind of energy that, that I draw off of, but also other people can draw off of. So I'm trying to break yeah. through this kind of uh, uh, how mass media and, and uh, mainstream media treats everything is so similar and so, so much the same. I'm trying to find something else, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and that's why, that's why, that's why the, 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 the idea of space the, the the you know the uncharted territories the, the the what we don't know the the hundreds of galaxies that turn into thousands of galaxies and millions of galaxies. I, I mean it's it's endless yeah and the thought that there's another ecosystem out there that's close enough to a sun in order to create some kind of life similar to ours because of course there's life that's different than ours you know <laughs> there yeah, has to yeah, be. yeah but but uh, but we we often Talk, talk in terms of life that is similar to ours. Why does it have to be similar to ours? Right. But right. but there has to be, you know? And uh, I guess these questions, I'm constantly moving through my head as I'm trying to create the, these sound and visual energy fields in order to kind of crack through that somehow through sound and vision. I wonder if living in different states, different countries, different continents is your version of exploring spaces that are similar but different to yours. Does that make sense? I feel like that's why some of us travel. I, I, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, I mean most places, you know, while uh, I'm touring, you, you don't really get to get super deep into, but certainly my um, when I do residencies and certainly when I move to... Uh, Brazil in 2000, you know, I lived in the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, I lived in yeah. Manaus, an amazing, you know, city in the middle of the rainforest, you know, and experienced all, all, all of the wonders of, of uh, uh, 
the rainforest, the Black River, the White River, the meetings of the river, what's in the river, the pink dolphins, the electric eels, yeah, the, yeah. you know, uh, the, the howler monkeys from afar that sound like, you know, um, it sound like a, a, a you know, a Ligeti score. So it's huh. like, and then from there, moving to like Brasilia, which is plateau and kind of like the desert, beautiful open skies, and you have the architecture of, uh, of, um, the famous uh, Brazilian architect. Uh, um, it's it's not it's it's not it's not coming to me, but 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 the way they designed that city, the way they they designed, uh, uh, you know, the satellite cities for Brazil, and, and you know, it's just some, so living there, drawing off of that energy, you know, and then also there I met the the, the amazing. Uh, uh, composer Guilherme Vaz. I don't know if you've, you've even heard of him, but Guilherme Vaz, V-A-Z, is an amazing composer um, from uh, Brasilia who oh. we had a kind of intimate relationship with, um, musically speaking, and, um, you know, speaking of art and, and stuff. Kind of like the, 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 the Cecil Taylor of, of, you know, the high plateau of Brasilia, you oh. know, but amazing composer. And then, live, of course, living in Sao Paulo is a whole nother ecosystem. You know, the energy of Sao Paulo is is incredible, as well as spent a lot of time in Rio. The energy in Rio, you know, um, each region. You're, you're kind of you know, every region you're talking about has its own kind of figurehead, doesn't it? That's the other thing. You're you mentioned a couple of composers that I wasn't familiar with. I think you were alluding to mm-hmm. possibly. Oscar Niemeyer is that the architect you exactly, might have met? exactly exactly yes. and then Oscar, Oscar Niemeyer's architecture is like from outer space itself you know yeah and Donald Judd like it sounds like you're drawn to not only these places but you want to get into not only their whatever sociocultural history but who was here who helped set the tone right, a little bit right. because I was thinking about your morning ritual uh, where you you mm-hmm. you start out on the drone. And then that's kind of a tone-setting moment for each day. By the way, just as a friend, do you have breakfast? You mentioned that you you do the drone, and then you go into the <laughs> art studio, and I'm like, wait, Rob, when do you eat? Do you have breakfast between those things? Well, after I make the drone, I, I, I skipped one important thing. Okay, I make the drone, which could take five minutes if I hit the right frequencies, or it could take an hour right. you know, before I set the tone because I'm setting the tone for myself and my wife, Britt. So uh, after I get that going, I go in the kitchen, which is next to the studio, and I make coffee. Mm-hmm. So I make the coffee with milk, which I have every morning. Okay. And uh, I bring a, a cup to my wife, and I take my cup out to the uh, out to the studio. Um so I don't really have a breakfast per se. I might have uh, a cup of coffee with with uh, cream and uh, uh, a biscuit or something like okay. that, or a cookie or something, okay. just to get it going. Just some nourishment. And then around midday, yeah. And then then around midday, I like to do more of, more of the kind of Italian style of eating, where you have have a kind of nice home cooked uh, 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 lunch, you know, larger yeah. lunch. Yeah. So in between there, I'll make the, the lunch becomes the first full meal because I, I mean I love to cook as well. Okay, so, I just um, I just wanted to establish that for for health purposes. I wanted to make sure that was happening. <laughs> but my other point, yes, believe me, <laughs> I love eating. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> my point here is when you're you told some very uh, sort of inspiring stories about the drone. Uh, the tone setting aspect of the drone and how that might carry you through right. the day and you might revisit it. Does the drone ever throw off the day? Does the drone ever portend, uh-oh, why did that sound? This might not be the best day because of what the drone is telling me. Do you ever have that? Has that ever happened? Oh, that's, that's very interesting. Um, but, but no, it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't happen because I don't let myself um, leave the drone until... It's set a, a, at the right frequencies to really uh, uh, resonate a positive, full energy. Okay. So that's the starting point. So once that starting point happens, that's it. it it's feeling good, you know. Yeah. Now the problem is later in the day, as I 
you know, start start to organize more and construct off of the drone, um, things can, can get a little hairy and sometimes go a little wrong. <laughs> then it can get a little little. But 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 because I've already set the tone, that's okay. Because then it, it part of my mantra is this life is an experiment. So I, I whether it's making the drone, making a painting outside cooking a mole it's it's all an experiment to me right you know right. so rather than rather than when something goes wrong uh looking at it as if it's some kind of disaster i look at it as this is a beautiful disaster that i can then make something else out of interesting okay i appreciate the uh the answer there because i i just imagine sometimes i at the end of the day if it hasn't gone well i think back on what happened and i blame a thing like uh, you know what? I think uh, everything went yeah. wrong because of that that English muffin. I didn't really like yeah. that. So I wonder if you <laughs> yeah, have the same yeah. process. Like, sure. wait a minute, this day was kind of weird. What was the drone like in the morning? Like, I yeah. went, that's where I was coming from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna I'm, now that's in my head. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know keep keep a, keep a close ear on that. <laughs> so uh, I alluded to the fact that you have this uh, very highly acclaimed new record, D- Dimensional Stardust. First of all, congratulations! How are you feeling now that this album is circulating and Thank and you. and uh, and here and re- you know people are receiving it? How are you feeling? I've, I, it feels really good because I mean my reason, like I said, for for even making this stuff um, is kind of what people are saying now about this record. You know, people are talking about how it's it's making their day resonate bright um lifting lifting up of course it's good timing you know with the elections that happened yeah. here and part of the reason for releasing the record when it was is to is to lift you know so um yeah i'm 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 pretty happy with with what's been happening so far with uh the release of the record i i literally just got my vinyl in the mail like two days oh. ago so i was people people were re- receiving their vinyls before i even got my but i got mine and i was like oh my goodness you know as an object itself it's so like it just feels really strong and powerful in my hands and then spinning yeah, I, it. i um, need to i need to order one I, I i need to order one i'm sorry i haven't done that yet I've oh been we'll send you one we'll send you one no but it no, no. feels really you always, good it's, rob you, you know. always give me records and i appreciate it but i feel like it's too much <laughs> you've I, I always feel like i was looking i was putting my record collection together here in alberta and oh. i'm like man rob is rob has given me so many of his records like it's so sweet and so nice but no Thank you. I'm going to order it. I, I've been trying to support my fellow that. fellow musicians by by you know ordering things and and it's beautiful. I also am looking forward to seeing it because the artwork is lovely. Uh, I want to start there. Actually, uh, you are a visual yep. artist. What can you say about the the aura? I suppose the cover of Dimensional Stardust. What were you? What What is your perception or perspective on it? Well, I mean, like like every. I mean, I've had the I've had this uh, uh, way that I do things for really the since the five years i've lived here we bought the house here five years ago like i said and these morning drones and and my my uh mantra of doing uh the stuff on the on the uh modular then going out to the studio uh to paint or sculpt coming Mm -hmm. back to work on music going back out coming back in i mean i i was making this painting as i was uh composing the music for this record you know oh wow Um, so so I same kind of thing although although most of this record I was composing on the piano here cuz I I do use the piano when I compose and mm-hmm. some computer stuff but uh uh I was doing it at the same time so so when the when the record was coming more and more into full fruition so was the painting you know and this particular painting um by the end of each uh uh by the end of composing the music and the and editing it and just before editing it but but recording it almost mixing it the painting was done you know so this mm-hmm. painting which is two-thirds of the painting it's not the whole painting but it's two-thirds of the painting took almost almost the, the same amount of time to make that as it did the the, the music it was a kind of a three-year period you know um now sometimes that, i'll make a painting well, in a day yeah know? Was so, it conscious on your um, part? Was that a conscious uh, parallel trajectory between the music and the art? Like you thought 
these two things are connected, so I'm going to work on them in parallel, or was it just the way it worked out? Um, halfway through, I noticed that it was totally in parallel, so I was okay. thinking about it at the same time. I wasn't trying to finish the painting or the music at any particular same time or, or anything. Mm. My whole, I like to deal in layers a lot, so the, this particular painting has 25, 30 layers to it, you know, there were oh, many, okay. many renditions of the painting before it became what it is right now. Um, maybe I that's see. part of the reason it has so much energy to it. Um, but same thing with the music. You know, I I, I uh, composed this music and then um, because of a commission from the Berlin Jazz Festival three years ago and started uh, uh, composing it, then did the concert two years ago, you know, and then with musicians from Berlin and, and the U.S., mostly from Chicago, mm-hmm. and then uh, restructured the music and recorded the music in, in Chicago after that, and then spent a better part of six months uh, 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 editing and, and uh, you know, putting the pieces together uh, for that, and then finally coming with, out with the final, the final product, which was is what the recording is right now and also dealing in layers also dealing in in different interpretations of different things um right the the concert in berlin was was much more improvised um but but the final product here the final uh music is is almost 90 percent uh composed you know so it's it's a very very composed layered compositional um recording and I feel the exact same way with the painting. I mean, the painting turned out to be very dealing with some some of the same issues of of resonance and form and line and you yeah, know, li- yeah, lyrical and you know you can feel gesture in in in, in both things, but you can also feel um, kind of harder soft lines with with all the repeating repetition and figures as well. You know, sometimes when I speak to musicians or artists who work in the realms of uh, improvisation and composition, uh-huh. I get kind of I trip over myself a little bit just talking about sort of the the kind of uh, interrelated aspects to those two forms right. of expression and maybe even the tension between them. Mm-hmm. So forgive me if this question seems weird, but uh-huh. in retrospect, do you view the Berlin improvised gathering? as something of a framework or a practice. I know you probably didn't think of it at the time as a rehearsal or any sort of thing, but was the improvised thing that became the Chicago sessions and the the more composed version, when you say it's composed, that composition is drawn from the improvisation, I assume, or or am I I actually uh, going too far? What is the relationship (laughs) between the composition that you're describing and the improvisation that occurred in Berlin? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the compositions were already uh, uh, composed before Berlin for the Berlin oh, performance. So w- when we play when we play live, there's a thing where anything could happen. I, I trust all the musicians implicitly, and the whole idea is live is that you have these these constructs that that we can play exactly how they are, and it is what it is. Or you know, for the Berlin concert, I decided one second before we started that the first 15 minutes were going to be improvised, you know? I didn't decide the first 15 minutes were going to be improvised. I decided to start improvising first, you know, before... Right, sorry, and then then it resulted in a 15-minute improvisation. Right, Right. and it ended up that, and it ended up, I think we played three of the compositions, and uh, the rest was improvisations off of motifs and things off of the uh, uh, compositions. So it's it, to me it's not okay. it's not rehearsal it, that's like its own separate entity it's like its own ship you know that 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 sails through th- through the sky you know and and I I could have used that if if I chose but I really wanted to get it really succinct because I, I felt really strongly about the 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 written composition that that would really have have a different kind of and, and the energy that I was looking for for this exact moment and uh, and that's exactly what happened. But I assume that if you've gathered musicians together and you've improvised uh-huh. for 15 minutes, there must be some sense or memory recall, perhaps the next time 
you go to your modular synthesizer yeah. or what have you. Like that absolutely. does inform the next things you make, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I've, yeah. been, I've been in improvising as well as composing a musician for 30 years. So the imp- I, I get a lot of my ideas straight from improvisation, of course. You know, right. you, you, because right. I'm a, you know, I'm one of these people who I, I, I want to listen to what I've played and done and composed and improvised. You know, I'm interested in seeing the architecture of that, learning from that and seeing how I can build from that. You know, so yeah. e- even yeah. all of these compositions and all of the uh, pretty severe interval jumps and and things and i mean that's from years and years of of not only studying composition and improvisation you know and how to make an improvisation uh um interesting or a composition interesting you know based on like i said interval melody harmony noise you know i mean there's high low middle there's so many things to think about um yeah but but certainly from improvisations over the years and years and years you build a certain vocabulary just from 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 the practice of improvisation. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then to, then to me, the best composers are people that can take the best parts of those things and really uh, hone in and crystallize or abstract. You know, oftentimes I'll say, <laughs> "I'm an abstractivist. I'm actively seeking to abstract, meaning se- actively seeking to abstract something into its its uh, purest essence." You know, yeah. So from these improvisations in the past, before uh, I actually put these compositions to paper, for sure, um, improvisation played a, a, a giant factor in in note choice, rhythm choice, musicians used, and all of that. And what's also very interesting is e- even though the musicians are playing almost ninety percent written material. We're also talking about musicians who are super steeped and masters at improvisation. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so the most subtlest thing, it, you know, because they're not machines. The, the, everyone has a different, uh, a different breathing uh, way of breathing, a, a different way their blood courses through the body, a different way of walking, a different way of of blinking, you know, I mean, when they play this thing and have this type of uh, uh, background in improvisation, a a phrase that Nicole Mitchell plays is not going to be the same phrase at all as as another flute player plays, you know, although it's the same notes, you know, and that's also part of the improvisatory situation because oftentimes people think of improvisation as totally... Like I'm just gonna play free, but it's 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 really these very subtle things that, that I'm I'm very interested in. How where you take a breath, how you take a breath, how you how you trail off a note at the end of a phrase, and because again I'm I'm dealing with such master improvisers, I tell them ahead of time you have complete freedom to interpret this how, how you want as you as as your own personal human you know expression. So um, yeah, yeah. That I find that interesting as well. Yeah, I think every musician is idiosyncratic, uh, and I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there as well. Um, you mentioned, but, Nicole- but but not all of, but not all of them are aware of it. Being distinctly aware of it, I think, is 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 a whole nother level. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there. I think some people might identify them by maybe their instrument. Um, Jeff Parker right, might say, right. I'm a guitarist. Well, no, you're Jeff Parker. You happen to play guitar uh, is maybe right, the better right. way of thinking about it. Is that maybe where you're coming from? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I think that's a way of looking at it. Like, yeah, No, that's part of it. Yeah, sure. you, the, yeah. The, you play guitar or Nicole plays flute in a way that only they can do it. I mean, as much as that's the joy right. of music for me is like, I can't believe what I saw that person do with an instrument I've seen a million people play before. Like that is the a real exactly. marvel of appreciating yeah. craft, right? It's like someone is, I mean, that's yes. why there's new music. If we were done, if we were like, no, <laughs> no one's ever going to do it better yeah, than that. Yeah. We're done. We don't have to make yeah. new records. Like that would be ho- hopeless. <laughs> yeah. But I think what you're getting at yeah. is like every person brings something interesting to the, it's not, I'm not, you know, we got to be careful here. We don't want everyone to think they're special. 
uh, you know, <laughs> I have children, so we're no, constantly combating. Like, yeah, you're special, but don't think you're too special. Calm down. You're not like the greatest at everything. I have to say that to my son all the time. Anyway, uh, you mentioned Nicole Mitchell. Uh, can you talk? There's a community of musicians involved in Dimensional Stardust, uh-huh. and I wonder if you can talk both about some of them, uh, who people that you want to highlight, and I know that's going to be difficult because there's, there's so many, but I'm also curious because right. I say community of musicians because, Rob, you circulate in a way that you end up playing with all sorts of people from different backgrounds, uh-huh. and when you put together your projects, I feel like you're a social convener. You're bringing people together who may not know each other, who may have never played together. Um, so I wonder about uh-huh. that. Is it is this a totally familial or unfamiliar gathering? I mean, I also know from what I've read that some of this stuff was recorded remotely and sent to you and you figured it out. But can you speak to that? Right. Like how how much of this is strangers coming together and how much of it is, all right, I got the old gang back together. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, it's a little of both because, uh, you know, I have people like Jeff Parker and um, Damon Locks, who I've, I've, John Herndon, who I've played with for for years and years, and Chad, of course. I you know I started playing with Chad when um, he was sixteen years old. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, was, it was in the eighties. Yeah. So it's like uh, some of these people I have a really long relationship to. Others, none, because like uh, Joel Ross, for instance, the vibraphone player, um, love his sound, his approach, and everything. Um, Macy Stewart. Uh, who plays violin parts. I didn't know her at all. Um, I think uh, Scotty at the label, label recommended her. Then I, then I heard some things she did with the group Ohm. Yeah. And I, and I thought it was, is just amazing. So someone like Joel, who I don't know at all, but I can tell you, you feel the frequency of a person uh, fairly immediately. If I don't feel that frequency from the person that, that that resonance from a person uh, uh, immediately, and I can't really put my figure finger on exactly what that is, but I had such a good feeling that Joel would would play these vibraphone parts excellently and with his type of feel and sound, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Macy Stewart. You know, um, I had never played with her either before, um, but bringing her into the session was was an absolute treat. Uh, she also uh, uses her voice a lot when she does things. I, I like people that use their voice and also play the instrument, just because I, I think you have a better understanding of the instrument when you, when you you also use your voice. You know, I feel like this is going back. This is interesting because I feel like it's taking us back to what you were saying, like if uh, about people being almost more important than their skill set or their instrument. Like you need to. Yeah. They need to resonate with you as a good hang, <laughs> as good people, as much as yeah. like it's the drag to have the greatest drummer in the world be kind of a jerk uh, or something, right? Yeah, yeah. That's no, that's no fun. Yes. You know, yeah. you, you need a resonance that, that that's gonna that's gonna uh, pull out the things that you're trying to make happen in the music. You know, yeah. so if I'm trying to make a music that's lifting and and positive and whatever. I'm I'm not going to hire a, a bass player that's a drag. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. No matter yeah. how good they play, yeah. you know, because yeah. you need that energy. You know, yeah. which which brings us to Ingebrig. Ingebrig Huckerflotten is one of the best bass players I've ever played with. Mm-hmm. I only started playing with him, and uh, um, I brought him out here for a Desert Encrypts thing, which which is it was a quartet with myself, uh, Chris Davis on piano, Ingerbit on bass, and Chad on drums. And he was just such a joy to be around and to play with and, and such a, a, a wonderful player that, that he happened to be in Chicago at the same time that uh, I was recording some of this stuff. So I was like, i got to get Ingerbit in, in here with Chad because they have such an um, interesting hookup. You yeah. Know? And Angelica Sanchez, who I've played with for a while, we, we, we did the Delmark record, you know, with the Pulsar Quartet. Yeah. And I don't know her a super long time, but, but her style and her, her, her aura and her energy is always so, so strong and, and elevating. I mean, what can you say about Tamika Reed? Same thing. Yeah. I mean, she she has she has the ability to play play one phrase and lift the whole group, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting combination between, you know, musicians that I've played with for a long time, musicians that I've played with <laughs> kind of, you know, a medium time and 
completely new musicians with with Macy and Joel. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and of course, Jamie Branch is Jamie Branch, so <laughs> she she has uh, such a wonderful personality as well, and very you know, fly or die. Well, I mean, to listen to the record is is really exhilarating because there is a certain um, collage like aspect to it, for lack of a better term. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm I'm yeah. curious, like given your experience making records, making music, this was a bit of an. It was this. Sorry, let me let me frame it this way. Was this more of an editing exercise in, in, in basically putting this record together? Was this more of an editing exercise for you than you might traditionally, uh, you know, complete? Or like, I guess I'm comparing a live in the uh, studio configuration off the right, floor right. versus this record, which is, as you use, use the term edited. So that that makes me think, yeah, you had to do this. This is the result of some post-production uh, and you know, figuring out where yeah. things work is this more? Is this an unusual amount of of that kind of work uh, in making this record for you? I, I mean, kind of. The, the editing had more to do with like where to place instruments. Oh, okay. okay. So that thing. So so the the compositions were pretty much uh, just the way they are. You know, I did some editing with with, with extending a part or two. So there is some kind of uh, Frankenstein movement. You know, not too much, but some. Yeah. Um, but mostly with, with the editing of like where to, because I made it in such a way where I, I can move certain melodies over a beat or two and it would have a similar effect. So um, I certainly experimented with that quite a bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, for the Exploding Star, I, this is the 10th, like the 10th suite I've made for the group. Mm-hmm. I think it's the sixth or seventh record. I don't, I don't know which one. The first record we did for Thrill Jockey, we 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 are, we are all from somewhere else. That that's mostly composed as well, but with uh, uh, much more room for improvisation. Mm-hmm. The records after that kind of moved more and more into an open form type of situation where it was uh, uh, the compositional element was was certainly there, but in a, in in a lesser of a way. This this record is very kind of super constructed yeah you know? okay so okay. between b- between the editing of the of the instruments and and certain parts and uh, uh, the way I did it which I recorded uh, I think we never recorded more than two people at a time so we had this incredible separation of beautiful sound but um, everybody was right on the money so it sounds magical in a sense. It's almost like turning a kaleidoscope. Absolutely, how, yeah. How every time you turn a yeah. kaleidoscope, it's it's like something beautiful and interesting happens. And all these parts were played in such a beautiful, personal, but rigorous way that 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 I had a lot of options as far as editing and uh, yeah. uh, reconstructing. But I there was wasn't a lot of that. It was mostly just about getting certain things and certain instruments to be right right yeah in the right spot that I wanted them. Well, it's definitely a I very hope that was, No, that's you know. no, that helps. Don't don't sell yourself short. That was a great answer. What do you It was good. <laughs> okay. I, I I just good. wanted to say like it is a very vivid and colorful record if that makes sense. Like that yeah. that that no, lushness. Totally. Yeah, that comes through. That it's got a visceral sort of feeling to it too. Like I But my I guess what I want to ask in the end is uh were you was there anything about putting this record together anything about the performances or or anything else really that surprises you or surprised you at the time and within that is there anything about the reception to it uh, that has surprised you because you've just been doing this a long time and you've you're constantly yeah. exploring and when you're constantly exploring and looking for something, <laughs> I think it can be yeah, sometimes yeah. harder and harder to get surprised because you're setting yourself up to constantly be thrilled by discovery and whatnot was there anything in particular about this record and like i say the life it's leading now that has particularly surprised you well i can i can say one thing about that i mean i put when i got my vinyl a couple days ago i was like like i was giddy as as a little schoolgirl, you know (laughs) boy they everything i was like you know this i put it on a, a you know, from the Sun Quartet to the Autumn Pleiades, I was like, and 
Because of that, I thought something special is on this record. Because after hundreds of times of listening to this thing over and over again and working on it, I still find it uh, it, it 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 makes makes my heart sing. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a, a kind of a special thing that happened, and which I'm very happy. Happy. I think the world is happy. The careening prison within, Parable Forty Three. Yeah. We made this this record when I when we were doing the final edit on on the thing some six seven eight months ago, maybe eight months ago, uh, with the final edit. There's a point in, in the careening prison within where Damon Locks says the words disaster is coming and it's right before jeff parker's searing second soloistic thing he does on that song Hmm. right before that break damon said and the thing disaster is coming now because i wanted this record to lift and have a kind of i said damon do you mind if i take that one phrase and reverse the phrase on the record thus reversing disaster that we hope is not coming. Hmm. And he, he was totally cool with that. So we reversed the disaster is coming um, on Careening Prism and thank the, the heavens that, that the, the monster that is in office now will be leaving the office. Ah. And and I, I look at that as a, a, a contribution to sending energy out there to make this this <laughs> this world a better place through, through that <laughs> particular act. So, uh, for those of you interested, listen to the greeting prison within right before Jeff Parker's second searing solo. If you if you reverse it on your turntable, um, you will hear something interesting. Well, uh, I will say uh, thank you for making that decision. I think it worked. Uh, and secondly, <laughs> thank, you. Yes. thank you for that insight. I, I will I will listen for that uh, uh, the next time I listen to the song. I didn't catch that. That's very interesting. Um, so, uh, Rob, if people want to learn more about Dimensional Stardust or you uh, uh-huh. or anything else, um, where would you like to send them, first of all? Well, I mean, the record's available through International Anthem uh, Records, which international anthem Bandcamp, i guess is the best place also it's a it's a dual release with none such records yeah. so nonesuch.com and uh i mean my, my i have my personal w- website that has all the information on it as well mm-hmm. which is rob just straight up robmazurik.com okay now this is a become a tricky question given the various states of suspension that we are all living through but do you have any future uh-huh. plans or anything else coming up beyond this record that you want to share? There's a trio record um, that that is coming out. Um, I think the first single is coming out in December, and it's, the full record I think is coming out in January with Mats Gustafsson, um, the great saxophonist from Sweden. Yeah, is it Sweden? I, I believe Sweden? so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but 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 he li- I mean he's living in uh, uh, Austria right oh, now. Oh, okay. Um, we made a record uh, uh, two years ago that was with also David Grubbs, oh. an amazing guitar player. Nice. That will be coming out in uh, uh, on Blue Chopsticks Records as part of a Drag City release. Okay. And I just finished this. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of different releases coming out. So it's you know there's a, a solo piccolo trumpet release that's going to come out on Rogart uh, Jazz label. Um, which I recorded in the 100 aluminum uh, Judd aluminum box space, which which is an amazing space. I've all I've been working on this really interesting project with these architects, AWP in Paris, working on an urban architectural project, where they asked me to create sound that that was collected from the sound, the site, turning that into sound and music. That music. Um, turning uh, my paintings into architecture from this special video program um, I've been using to do that, extracting the architectural design for that and then using that in a new book. <laughs> so that's very interesting. And uh, Wow, okay. You're, yeah, you're, um, lots going and, on then. You're not suspended. We're all suspended. Yeah. You're just making all sorts Maybe of stuff. Maybe it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and the, I, I want to... I wanna, I want to do more. Everything you make. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
Everything you make is a yeah. hopeful gesture, if I might say. It's hopeful. It's it's. I, I the more you can yes. make, the better I think we'll all feel because, and in the more hopefully we all start to make stuff ourselves because, uh, we need little glimmers of hope. Everything you make, I think, is a little glimmer of hope. So thank yes. you. I just want to say that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We're all makers. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So robmazurik dot com to keep up with all of the various things that Rob just said. I guess is the. Uh, the easiest thing to say. Uh, if we can go out on a song so. from Dimensional Stardust, uh, Rob, I mean, you just talked about one to a, a great extent. Will we be teases if we don't play that particular song? I don't want to put any ideas in your head. Do you want to pick a song for us to go out on right now? <laughs> I mean, the creating prism within is pretty, pretty, pretty intense and beautiful. Yeah, I think we should play it. This is the creating prism within. By the way, what's with all the parables? You've got this one says parable forty three. What, certain songs have parable, like a parable designation. Why? What, what does that mean to you, Rob? I, I came up with a ca- character, an imaginary writer, alchemist, filmmaker, uh, composer from Brasilia, Brazil, by the name of Elder Velasquez Smith. And this character has been in my mind for the last uh, 15 years. Ah. And every now and then he he comes out with parables and (laughs) and little stories about certain things, mostly about uh, how we're going to build androids in in the future and how we can have the androids feel the same thing that humans feel. Oh, okay, interesting. All right, so we are are meant to listen to this with the notion that this character is is conveying something to us in some uh, to some degree. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is this is this is the careening prism within parable 43 from the uh, excellent new album Dimensional Stardust. This is uh, by uh, Rob Mazurik's uh, Exploding Star Orchestra. Rob, thank you so much for being uh, back on the show. I, I all my best to you and your loved ones, and all the best in the future. Thank you. It was a pleasure.
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ah, very nice to have Rob Mazurik back on this show. Uh, in this case, for the 585th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and uh, is available wherever it is you get your podcasts all of the platforms that you can think of apple google spotify everything uh, if you can't find an episode that you've heard about you're looking for it and you just you can't find it no matter where you look you're you're looking under rocks you're looking in your computer you're looking in your your old computer where where is this or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter it's a monthly newsletter is the the new plan Anyway, for all of those things, you can you can learn about how to do or, you know, engage with all of that stuff at my website, vishkana.com. Uh, you can like Creative Control on uh, social media platforms like Facebook or follow us on Twitter, at uh, vishcreative. You can also follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, at vishkana. Also visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to keep this podcast going, uh, $6 or more, uh, grants you access to exclusive audio content, maybe even exclusive video content if I can get my stuff together there. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to reward people the best I can. So whatever you can donate, don't feel if you can't afford $6 a month, that's totally fine. Um, you can do whatever you want, any amount, literally any amount, and you can always change it. Uh, but uh, your support definitely helps. So please visit patreon.com slash creative control. Uh, thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by some great Canadian artists. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, for their in-kind support for this show. Speaking of kind, sort of, Jim Guthrie loans me music that he made that I can use for this show, and he's the best. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Rob Mazurik, my old friend from our Guelph Jazz Festival encounters. Uh, I miss the Guelph Jazz Festival. I miss seeing Rob play live. It seems almost every, at least every couple of years, he would be up in Guelph, and I miss it all very much, but it was nice to connect this way. Uh, and yes, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you'll check out other episodes and follow or subscribe to this podcast so you can stay on top of it. And if you like it, tell your friends that maybe they should check it out. That always helps. I like that. I like, I like hearing those stories uh, from people. And uh, that's it. I'll be back with you before you know it with another episode. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack. 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.